Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It's time to rise and shine. I don't know, when's the last time you uh, you sang rise and shine? Like with the hand motions and everything. And do you, give do you God know the them? glory, glory? Yes, yes, right? Okay, okay. Rise and shine and give God, right? Did you hey. Have you done that lately, Paul? Oh, boy, I haven't done I'm that telling since you, my kids were little. Totally exhilarating. Yeah. Find some little kids and teach them the rise and shine song with all the hand motions. <sighs> I don't know, it just it just improves your mood. I uh, I don't have enough lung capacity right now to get through the whole song, but, you know, I digress. Okay. So, good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, the 25th of January. I don't know. We made it to Tuesday. It doesn't seem like a really <clears throat> significant achievement yet, but here we go. As many as 8,500 troops have been put on heightened alert, uh, U.S. troops, by the way, have been put on heightened alert for a possible deployment to Eastern Europe as Russian troops amass along Ukraine's border. We've been talking about this now for some time, and it it looks like it's happening. And so let's be praying um, again for our sisters and brothers in Ukraine. There are Christians there, lots of them, and they are going to be in the middle of whatever happens. And so let's be very prayerful um, about that entire situation and scenario. The Biden administration also says, let's see, it will not be enforcing the federal employee vaccine mandate uh, because they are in the midst of ongoing litigation. A federal, a Texas federal judge on Friday blocked the enforcement of the vaccine mandate for government employees. And uh, so there you go. It's apparently an overstep of presidential authority, uh, which the Supreme Court uh, agreed with last week. So that's what's going on there. Gun violence is a public health crisis. That is according to New York City's new mayor, Eric Adams. Here's a guy we're all going to want to pray for and definitely watch. Eric Adams announced yesterday details of his administration's blueprint to combat gun violence in uh, the nation's largest city. Uh, He's going to increase officers on patrol, combat the influx of guns into the city, encourage prosecutors to move forward earlier with gun charges. So there is um, some movement on that front. Minnesota is currently running a poll to name its new snowplows. That seemed like very important news. Um, And so if you have thoughts on that, I'd like to know them. Apparently, Plowy McPlowface... Um, is uh, is very, very popular. And Betty Whiteout is um, apparently, you know, in this year for obvious reasons. So there you go. Oh, Krispy Kreme. Here's my other news I have to share with you this morning. Krispy Kreme is giving blood donors a dozen free donuts. Remember it, when you could go to Krispy Kreme and if you showed proof of your vaccination, they'd give you one free donut? <clears throat> well, apparently if you give your blood, they will give you a dozen free donuts. Mm-hmm. That's what I have for you today. And if you don't live in a region where the hot now light goes on and you can get an alert on your phone, I, I, I think I'm just going to say I'm sorry. That's that's what I have there on that. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith is going to join us next.
Um, I've been watching him on social media. He's playing Wordle. I don't know what it is. I'm going to ask. He's also obviously been watching the NFL playoffs. Have you? Have you been watching? It's been quite crazy. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about those games and other headlines up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith lives in the great state of Ohio, which I think is relevant to today's conversation. Welcome back, sir. Hey, Carmen. How are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. Are you celebrating? Uh, I'm not. I'm not celebrating. I'm an Indianapolis Colts fan. I grew up in Indianapolis, (laughs) and uh, my team did not make the NFL playoffs, but I am surrounded by people uh, who are still reveling in the uh, Cincinnati Bengals win the other day, so... Lots right? of celebration like, going on around me. Bananas. Yeah, I think the people in the middle of the country are are over there in uh, Missouri and Kansas pretty excited as well. Um, all right. Well, we will um, we will leave that to pick on later. What is Wordle and why should I care? <laughs> so Wordle. Uh, first of all, it's a great word, right? Wordle. W-O-R-D-L-E. Wordle is a is a word game. Uh, that you can get online. If you go into your favorite search engine, whether that's Google or Bing or whatever it is, type. We're in not advertising, Wordle. right? You and no, I, ever- we don't, we don't. Neither, uh, neither of. I've never played it, and um, and all I know is that a bunch of people who I know are playing it, and so I thought I'd ask you <laughs> what it is and why I should care. So it, it's a simple game. You you go on. You choose five letters. You get six chances to find a word. You don't know what the word is. It's five letters long. Uh, you can choose any letter that you want, and it will then tell you uh, of the choices that you've entered, which of them are uh, are close. You know, maybe it'll be yellow. If it's close, it's not in the right spot. It'll be green if it's in the right spot with the right letter, or it'll be uh, blacked out if it's nothing at all. And you get six chances, and that's all that it is. It's very simple, straightforward game, uh, but very, very difficult, I think, in, in its own way. I like it because it's fairly limited. You know, you're not going to spend an hour on Wordle, most likely. You're just going to spend a few minutes. Um, and it's it's hopefully one of those things that maybe can bring us together, Carmen. Maybe it can function like the NFL. Maybe we can actually celebrate something collectively for once. So I think you should give it a try. Uh, okay. Um, thank you for your personal <laughs> testimony. Um, tell us what what is going on with John MacArthur and YouTube. Boy, so this this all stems from a Canadian law, um, Bill C four is the name of, the name of the bill in Which Canada. Which is kind of funny because that's an explosive. But anyway, go ahead. That's right. And uh, this bill really tries to limit communication around um, traditional biblical sexual ethics. Um, it criminalizes uh, counseling on um, against transgenderism or counseling individuals against uh, the homosexual lifestyle. And uh, Canadian pastors and North American pastors uh, last week bound together and decided they were going to preach on these issues regardless of what the law um, might do. John MacArthur uh, very prominently helped organize North American pastors to do this. And so he had a sermon uh, where he made some very plain statements uh, about transgenderism, for example. He says, you're either XX or XY. That's it. God made man male and female. 
he says. Uh, well, that sermon goes on YouTube, and YouTube uh, pulled it down and labeled it as hate speech. And this is this is where we are at the moment. Um, YouTube seems to be drawing a very firm line uh, on things of, of gender and sexuality, and uh, MacArthur is running afoul of them. Now, you got to think MacArthur is probably on their radar to some extent because of uh, COVID, because of statements that he's made about COVID, and so maybe they're having a close eye on him. But it definitely should send a bit of a chill, uh, I think, everywhere when we think of the power of social media to just step in and limit um, on a platform like that. Now, you know, this raises, you and I have talked about before, this raises a whole host of constitutional issues and regulatory issues, but um, it's a problem. It's here, and I'm not sure that it's going to go away anytime soon. Um, so, yeah, I think he's on people's radar because uh, he issued a press release in advance of the sermon. And so, right. I, I mean, I think there are ways to certainly raise your profile and be the person who gets picked as the exemplar um, if that's what you want to be. Uh, and so, you know, I, there are various ways to see that. But, yes, uh, we want to reiterate, uh, along with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith, that this law in Canada— restricts communication of of all varieties related to um, speaking the truth about what the Bible says about human identity and sexuality. Um, and so it it's that simple and it's that broad. And so this is going to be a story that we are going to continue to um, unfold and unravel. I feel fairly confident that there will be a lawsuit um, coming of some kind, some kind of challenge to YouTube um, on this decision. Mark, let's take a very brief break. and we come back, let's pivot. Um, you and I have both read a piece that's posted at ChristianityToday.com entitled, What Liz Cheney Can Teach American Evangelicals. I'm going to let you walk us through that in just a moment, okay? All right, sounds good. All right, that's our plan. So do you want to know what Liz Cheney can teach us as American Evangelicals? Yeah, I know you do. We'll be right back. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith from Cedarville University. And we're going to unpack together a piece that is posted at ChristianityToday.com. It is written by uh, or excerpt from a newsletter written by Russell Moore, who works for Christianity Today as a public theologian. Um, and it's entitled, What Liz Cheney Can Teach American Evangelicals. Christians should preserve their integrity instead of conserving their influence. What's the basic argument that Russell's making here? So, I mean, he obviously um, agrees with and supports Liz Cheney. Uh, she, of course, has been very prominent in her opposition uh, to President Trump's claims that uh, the election of 2020 was stolen and then on top of that, of course, she's part of the committee that's investigating uh, the January 6th events. And so she's drawn a challenge for her uh, reelection campaign uh, to the House in Wyoming. And uh, she's just recently lost a straw poll. Uh, and so she's going to run into some serious opposition and maybe even will cost her her seat. Uh, Russell Moore sort of looks at her and makes the argument that uh, evangelicals should consider her approach to politics as opposed to, I would think by implication, uh, supporting candidates and supporting policies uh, that maybe run against our ethics uh, for the purposes of maintaining our place in the room, 
you know, if you go back to Hamilton, uh, he wants to be in the room where it happens, right? And the room where it happens means uh, I'm there when decisions are made. I have a seat at the table. And I'm going to support the party regardless because having that seat at the table is what matters most because then I can shape issues and I can uh, help uh, give input on key decisions that are coming out of that party. And so evangelicals have made that argument for the last five years. You know, I'm going to support the Republicans. I'm going to support these uh, candidates, even though they may have issues, because in the end, it's it's critical. Moore is saying it's not worth it. You know, it just isn't worth it to do. You know, at some point, your integrity uh, becomes challenged and you have to take a stand, even if it does cost you something. Um, and it, it raises uh, a really important, I think, set of arguments that we have to consider when we're politically active. Uh, what do you do in an organization? Do you stay loyal to it for the hopes of having influence? Do you leave it in, in the hopes of reforming that organization? Uh, do you speak up about it? Do you not speak up about it? Uh, these are hard decisions. And, uh, you know, Russell Moore clearly has his position. And uh, but I think there's a lot going to be a lot of controversy about this article, most likely, and, and lots of arguments on every side of it. All right. So um, I think that I want to roam around a little bit in sort of how I have the conversation with somebody who, if I were to say the name Liz Cheney, like like the heat would rise in their body, right? Like right. they are going to have a visceral reaction and response to that. Um, if I say the name Kristen Cinema, they're going to have a different reaction and response. And I find that like so curious because these are actually two women who um, are similar in some very interesting ways to me, I think. Um, do you think that introducing like a different conversation is ever helpful? Like, let's OK, we can't talk about Liz Cheney because and what she has said or done because you have already so clearly formed and uh, um, a, an opinion based on the information that you have. I think I have other information to bring to the conversation, but I don't really see that I'm going to get to share my information. So because you've already made up your mind. I guess I'm just looking for like, is there do you see a different entry point into this kind of conversation? Well, I think you're right. I mean, anytime you talk about a figure that's being, uh, you know, part of the culture war right now, part of the polarization that we're looking at, and she certainly is one of those. Cinema is one of those on the different on a different side. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a hot button discussion just by raising the name. Um, I I really like in the article Russell Moore um, talks about biblical examples of of how figures in Scripture, you know, Daniel the Apostle Paul or even Christ, as they interacted with with difficult situations, had to make decisions. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wonder whether with a believer, for example, Liz Cheney is a hot button, but maybe talking about Daniel and his approach to conflict um, would be better because it's a more neutral ground. You know, Uh, it's going to give us at least an authority we can appeal to and say, okay, we all if we if we think the Bible is inspired and inerrant. Let's start there. Here's what it says about this particular event. Let's discuss it from that perspective. And then maybe you can bring it around to someone like Liz Cheney and say, okay, look at this current situation. How do we compare and contrast? You know, clearly she's not about to be thrown in a lion's den. It isn't a question of in the same kind of sin, maybe that Daniel is engaged or is trying to fight against. Um, But it does raise similar kinds of questions. Maybe biblical figures would give us an entry into the discussion. I do. That made me uh, remember a conversation that I had with my mom once. I was in a context where I was really kind of just the lone voice um, on the evangelical 
biblical side of an argument with several million people. And um, uh, my mom was very, very concerned. And I said, Mom, you know, here's the thing. They, they actually no longer burn people at the stake. <laughs> like, like you can stand there in the absolute integrity of your position if you know it's the truth. Like you can. You can absolutely stand. I mean, even if you're the only person standing up for what you absolutely know to be the truth— um, and God will stand you up. Like, that is the promise of of Ephesians 6. Like, right? Put on your full armor, prepare yep. yourself, but, you know, and take your stand. But ultimately, I will stand you. Like, you know, stand when, when everything else, stand. Like, you, you at some point, you got to find your feet as a convictional Christian and a person of conscience um, whose conscience has been raised, you know, to the, to the seared level of Christ, and you got to say, you know, I mean, as Martin Luther did, you know, here I stand. I can do no other. Like, you can't, you're not going to convince me to move off this point because I know this is the truth. There's a lot of freedom in that. Yeah, no, no question about it. But I, I think you have to go into those situations. You have to be willing to draw some lines ahead of time and say there are some well, places and lose, that I will not go. Yeah. Right. And lose everything. I mean, you got to be willing right. to, right? Yeah, you got to be willing exactly. to lose whatever influence you have. Yeah, no, there's no That's question about that. Right. As long as you're willing to do that, then it's it is a very free position. But there are an awful lot of people, especially in the political world, that just aren't willing to make that choice. Getting reelected matters more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's yeah. where we find ourselves. That's the discussion. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hey, what um what else are you thinking about today? What's on your heart today? Um, I really uh, enjoyed the article over the weekend by David French. I would encourage uh, your listeners to take a look at that. Um, it's called The Cult of Ideology versus the Cult of Personality. Um, it's on The Dispatch. Take a look at it. I think he raises some really interesting points about uh, difficulties on both sides of the political aisle right now. Um, and I think he, I think it's worth considering our commitments as believers, as we were just talking about and how those commitments fit into our current political system. Um, To me, this is the question that's confronting us as Christians during this political season where we find ourselves, and it it isn't going to go away anytime soon. Uh, Know what you believe, know why you believe it, and be willing to draw some lines around it and say, here's what I think, now where do I fit? Yeah, and keep your thesaurus out when you read the piece by David French at the Dispatch. Fair enough. Right? Right. No, he's a pretty good smarty pants Christian, and he's a lawyer, and he's talking at a pretty high level. And so I just, you know, I want, if you're listening right now and you say, oh, we love David French. We love it when he comes on the show and he talks to us. Um, When he writes, uh, he writes like an attorney, and it's brilliant. Um, But sometimes it's a little complicated. So, you know, just have your thesaurus out or handy and circle the words and look them up. It's a good exercise for the brain. In fact, it might help you in Wordle. There you go. That's how I bring it all back around to the beginning. (laughs) That's why you're a professional. That's the magic of my job. All right, Mark, thank you as always for joining us. That's Dr. Mark Caleb Smith at Cedarville University. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Caleb Smith. We'll be right back. All right, you should be out of your chairs out of your bed. Rise and shine and give God. The glory. Okay. Do you not know the hand motions? All right. Rise. Your hands go up. Shine. Your hands open up and give God the glory. Your hands shake around up there in the air. 
All right, so rise, your arms go up, but your fists are closed. Shine, you open up your all five fingers and give God the glory, you shake them around. All right, so that's what we're doing when we sing Rise and Shine. There are other hand motions as well to the various verses of the song. Okay, we are going to have Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs with us in just a moment. We're going to talk about praying during and over the Winter Olympics, and we're also going to talk about the release of the Open Doors World Watch List. There are some places in the world where it has become increasingly difficult to be a Christian. We'll be right back. Learning the hard way. Most likely, when you were growing up, you did a lot of that. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. The school of hard knocks isn't easy. You were probably hurt by a lot of mistakes you made in your own teen years. So naturally, you want to save your kid from encountering those same pitfalls. I've learned, however, that the hard way is sometimes what a teen needs. One of the best ways to teach your child about the realities of life is to allow her to make choices and suffer the consequences. It teaches her responsibility and discernment. How will she learn to recognize good decisions unless she makes a few bad ones? Next time you see your kid learning the hard way, allow it to happen. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org or search for Parenting Today's Teens in your favorite app store. Nettleton is back from Voice of the Martyrs. You can find what we're talking about today at Voice of the Martyrs website, which is persecution.com. But you can also go directly to PrayForChina2022.com. PrayForChina2022.com. Todd, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Thank you so much. Talk with us about this effort to get people praying in advance of over and through the Olympic Games. Well, you know, millions and millions of people are going to be watching the Olympic Games. They're going to watch the events. Though We'll see, uh, you know, the figure skating and the ski jumping. They will probably see some amazing video of the Great Wall of China. We want to tell Christians when you're watching the Olympics, if you're watching the Olympics, Choose to make that a reminder to pray for Christians in China, because remember, there are millions of Christians in China. They are constantly oppressed by their government. Some of them are in prison right now. They probably won't have the chance to watch the Olympics. Uh, And so just let's use this as an excuse. Let's use this as a reminder to pray for our brothers and sisters in China. And when you talk about um, praying, you have some specific things in mind. There are some tools here. Talk with us about um, what people are going to find when they visit uh, the camp, you know, this prayer campaign website, PrayForChina2022.com. Well, as you say, there are, there are some specific ways for people to pray, because I think people naturally wonder, well, how do, how do I do that? What should I ask God to do for our brothers and sisters in China? There are also some tools here. There is a way to set a, a reminder on your calendar. So, hey, I'm going to pray every day during the Olympics at 3 o'clock or 8 o'clock or at whatever time of the day. There are ways you can share this with your Christian friends. We hope, you know, whole churches, whole Bible study groups are going to say, you know what? Every day during the Olympics, we're going to pray for Christians in China. 
the first thing persecuted Christians ask us to do when, when we go and see them, when we say, hey, we're coming back, we're going to talk to our friends in America, how can we help you? The first thing they say for us to do is pray for them. So mm-hmm. this is a direct response to what, what they want us to do, what they ask us to do. And we're just using the Olympics as a, as a reminder, as a great constant reminder during that period of time. Let's pray specifically for brothers and sisters in China. So, Todd, when we um, when we talk about China, we're talking about a country that is classified as a restricted nation. What what is the difference between a country that we would regard as restricted or that would be classified as restricted and one that would be classified as closed? You know, I think those words would be somewhat interchangeable. At, at Voice okay. of the Martyrs, we talk about restricted nations, and then we talk about hostile areas. And, oh, hostile and restricted areas. restricted nations is basically the government is the persecutor. It, it is mm. the police. It's the court system. It is the government who is persecuting Christians. What we call hostile areas are places where maybe the government says it's okay to be a Christian, at least they pay lip service to religious freedom, but within that country there is a, a terrorist group, or there is societal pressure. Maybe it's family members who are persecuting Christians, but the government would say you have freedom to be a Christian. That's the places that we call hostile, uh, because it's not the government that is directly persecuting the church. Yeah, you know, it's going to be it's going to be hard for us as we watch all of the drama and pageantry and I mean, I'm sure it's going to be quite a show, right? Um and <laughs> NBC I mean, is and, hoping so. Right? And in the midst of that, I'm going to be thinking about the Uyghurs and I'm going to be thinking about mm-hmm. Christians who um aren't allowed to teach their children what the Bible says. And I'm going to be thinking about churches that have been torn down. Um, help me, help me live like, right. As a, as a Christian who knows what I know happening around the world, um, feeling somewhat powerless. I mean, I'll just confess that. Right. And I know I'm not powerless because prayer is, I mean, God can move and is moving. And I recognize that. Is that the answer? Like, right. Have I, have I answered my own question? In many ways, you have. We do know that God can move. We do know that what they ask us to do is to pray. You know, I've been reminded as we have launched this campaign of a pastor from Vietnam that one of my coworkers met, and the pastor made this statement. He said, when you pray for Vietnam, you are working with us in Vietnam. And I think that's true for China as well. When we pray for China— we are working with the body of Christ in China to advance the gospel, to advance the kingdom of God. And so I don't think it's necessarily bad that as we watch the Olympics, we're thinking, you know what, this is a great show. Man, I'm really happy that guy just won the gold medal. There are Christians in prison right now in China, not probably not far from some of these Olympic venues. Now, I don't, I don't think it's bad to hold those two thoughts in our mind at the same time and be reminded and One of the things Voice of the Martyrs talks about all the time is the fact that these are our family members. These are part of our spiritual family. And so we should think of them. We should be reminded of them. Uh, And that becomes very natural when we understand that family relationship. All right. If you were traveling to China for the Winter Olympics, would you take your own cell phone? Um, And if not, and you were going to take a burner phone... How many would you take, and would you leave them behind with someone? 
uh, <laughs> I, I would love to be able to travel to China. I think those days have, have passed for me personally. Um, but absolutely, I, I would take a, a different device than the one I normally use. Um, and I think uh, the, the level of surveillance that's going on in China uh, is Orwellian. Um, we're talking about a country with more than a half a billion surveillance cameras with mm. facial recognition technology. Uh, the last time I went to China, and I was I was very aware of this at, at at the customs desk. They say, "Okay, step up, stand up real straight. We're going to take a picture of your face." Well, what is what happens to that picture of your face? It gets fed into the facial recognition cameras, and then guess what? Uh, they can tell what restaurants you go to. They can tell what hotel you're staying at. They can tell who you have dinner with, who you're talking to. Uh, and that's, you know, that's me as a foreigner there for a few days. Our brothers and sisters in China, that's their life every day. Uh, mm. They know they're being watched. I, I'll never forget a conversation I had with a Chinese pastor. And he said, you, I asked him about this very thing. You know, they're watching you all the time. He said, yeah, they are. I told the men in my church, if the government is watching us all the time, let's make sure they see what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ. Let's make sure in our homes, because it's quite possible, quite likely they're watching us in our homes, let's make sure they see what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And so he has kind of used that as a motivating tool for his church. Hey, they are watching. Let's show them what it looks like to follow Christ. And so, but for those who are visiting and, and even for the athletes, I saw the warning last week, hey, be careful. You could be held to account to Chinese law if you create a disturbance, if you protest, if you do anything. <laughs> I loved how they said that violates the Olympic spirit. Uh, when China is violating the Olympic spirit every day by locking people in prison. Um, but I certainly wouldn't take my regular cell phone if I was going. All right. If you visit PrayForChina2022.com, um, you will note that there are currently uh, a few more than 8,000 people signed up to to pray um, for our brothers and sisters in Christ in China, committing to pray for Chinese Christians during the 2022 Olympics in Beijing. You're also going to note that on the map um, where you live— especially if you live in Minnesota. You're grossly underrepresented. So if you live in Minnesota, this is a straight-up challenge right now to go and visit PrayForChina2022.com and commit to pray. Join thousands of other Christians in 96 countries around the world already represented in this um, global commitment to pray for Chinese Christians. Uh, and I would like to see us join in this as well. I commit to pray. Do you join the effort at PrayForChina2022.com? Todd Nettleton and I from Voice of the Martyrs will be right back. We're continuing our conversation with Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs. Again, you can join us in the Olympic prayer effort um, at PrayForChina2022.com. Um, Todd, I'd love to do a little bit of a world tour with you. Um, I have read some of um, what is on now the the new World Watch List 2022 in terms of the reality that our brothers and sisters in Christ are enduring in countries around the world. Um, I know you have a lot of experience in many of these nations. As you sort of survey the world, are there places where 
your heart knows it's becoming or has become more difficult to be a Christian in the last 12 months? Uh, one of them is Eritrea, which uh, is a country in Africa. It's a country I had a chance to visit um, now many years ago, and uh, some of the pastors that I met on that trip are in prison right now in Eritrea. Eritrea is a country a lot of us would have trouble locating on a map. Uh, even even if you said it's Africa, uh, it, we would still have trouble finding it. But it is a place, that the estimates right now are between two and 300 Christians in prison in Eritrea, in, in a small country, between two and 300 Christians in prison. Uh, none of them has actually even been charged with a crime, let alone had a trial or had a lawyer or had any kind of a chance to defend themselves. Uh, people just get arrested, they disappear, uh, and maybe they come back someday, maybe they don't. Uh, but in the case of some of the pastors that I met, they've been in prison more than 15 years. Mm. And uh, so that's a country that I, I don't think gets enough attention as it relates to religious freedom, as it relates to the persecution of our brothers and sisters, partly because it's so small, partly because we don't really have a, a, any kind of trade relationships or, or, you know, we're not interacting with Eritrea very often. Um, so I think it kind of flies under the radar of uh, really serious persecutors of our brothers and sisters. Okay, so I found it. It is uh, neighbors Ethiopia and Sudan, and I found it because I went to persecution.com and opened up the global prayer guide and scrolled down to the map and hovered in Africa until I found it. Um, I love this resource, or maybe I appreciate it is a better better language for me to, to use. Um, this is a wonderful interactive website. If, you, if you've thought to yourself, I want to be praying the news in those places that Carmen talks about, um, but I don't even know how to find them on a map. I, I need somebody to help me understand what life is like in that place. This is the interactive prayer map that helps you do that. So you go to persecution.com. What you're looking for is Voice of the Martyrs Global Prayer Guide and use the interactive website to learn how to pray for our, our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Um, if you're interested in a particular country, when you scroll down, you'll see countries lifted, listed alphabetically. So you're saying to yourself, I really want to know what's going on or how to pray for brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. All right, well, click on that. Or now that Todd has alerted you to the issues in Eritrea, click on that. Or you say to yourself, all right, I know that, you know, we're going to be praying during the Olympics for Christians in China. Click on that. You see how easy this is, right? So I want you to use this as a prayer guide. There are ways to be equipped to pray intentionally, personally, directly for our brothers and sisters. We're going to spend eternity with one another. We're going to spend eternity with one another. And they are enduring right now things that you and I cannot and choose not to even imagine. So let us be ardent in our prayers for them. Todd, um, share with us a story from uh, somebody around the world that you are serving that you say to yourself, you know what, I, this, this serves as a light of hope for me. You know, one of the people in China that has particularly inspired me is Pastor Wang Yi. He is right now serving a nine-year prison sentence. Uh, his his crime, and I always put that in air quotes, his crime was leading an unregistered church, 
Um, he he wasn't secretive about it. In fact, he, he put his sermons on YouTube so that people could see them, and uh, people knew what he was doing. People knew what he was talking about. Uh, but he is now serving a nine-year prison sentence. The the really inspiring thing to me about Pastor Wang Yi is is he knew this day would come. He knew the day would come he would go to jail. He wrote a letter to the people of his church, but also to be released to the the body of Christ around the world and gave it to people and said, okay, when the day comes that I'm arrested, I want you to release this letter. And the letter basically said, I'm willing to go to prison. I love my country. I pray for the leaders of my country, but my king is Jesus. He's the guy that I'm following more than anyone else. He is my first priority. And if that costs me, if if my government says those who follow Jesus have to go to jail, then I have to go to jail. And in fact, when his nine-year prison sentence was announced, he didn't even appeal it. He said, okay, I accept what the government has said. I understand that following Jesus comes with a price, and I'm willing to pay that price. Uh, and so today he is in jail. His wife is sort of under house arrest, basically. She's cut off from the people of the church. She's even cut off from members of her own family. Uh, their son is an early teenager. He is taken every day to a Communist Party school uh, mm-hmm. where he can be indoctrinated with Communist Party doctrine. Uh, and yet, even in prison, and we've heard just in the last year that that Pastor Wang Yi, his food is worse than everyone else's in the prison, and he has been assigned three personal guards uh, and, and my suspicion, and, and I don't know this, and we may not know this until eternity, my suspicion is he was sharing the gospel with other prisoners, and the Chinese authorities said, we got to put a stop to that. Okay, you three guards, you're with him 24-7. Uh, don't let him talk to anyone. Don't let him share the gospel. Uh, and so that is somebody that, as we are having this campaign to pray during the Olympic Games, uh, even before that, he has been on my heart and, and really a, a hero of our faith who willingly said, yes, I know it's going to cost me to follow Jesus. I'm still going to follow him. Hmm. Todd, lead us in a prayer for um, for him, for his wife, for his son, for his congregation for his flock um, and for others in China um, like him. Would you do that? I would love to do that. Father, I just lift up right now. We lift up together Pastor Wang Yi. And uh, Lord, we don't know what his situation is in the prison right now, but I pray that supernaturally uh, your spirit would show up even in this moment and let him know he is not forgotten. He's not alone, that he is a part of our family. He's a part of your body and that we are lifting him up. Lord, I, I pray for his wife, Zhang Rong. I pray for their son, Joshua. Sustain them today. Encourage them today. Uh, give them a sense of your presence today that's even more real than normal. Uh, and, and I just pray, Lord, as, as the Olympics start and as we around the world are praying for China, we pray for a move of your spirit in that country. We pray, Lord, for communist authorities to come face to face with Jesus Christ, whether that is in the face of a believer, whether that's some supernatural act, we pray that communist authorities would bend their knee to Jesus and that that you would change that country from the inside out. Lord, we pray for all those who are going, especially for fellow believers, uh, protect them and watch over them and give them opportunities uh, to shine the light, to, to plant a seed of truth along the way during their travels, during their competition, uh, whatever it is, Lord, we just pray for a move of your spirit in China. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Todd, thank you so much. We um, we appreciate what you do. We deeply value Voice of the Martyrs and uh, this this global network of Christians. Thank you for bringing us their stories. Thank you for providing resources that are free for people to use at persecution.com for us to be praying with and for um, and coming alongside our brothers and sisters around the world. We deeply appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You guys can find Todd at persecution.com. Check out the global prayer guide and join me. Sign up to join me as we pray together during the Olympics. And you're going to, I'm scrolling back, PrayForChina2022.com is that site. We'll be right back. We are the champions, my friend, uh, and we can be child champions. Paul Perot um, went to Honduras. Oh, I did. A while. You went to Honduras. Why did you go? Who did you travel there with? And why should we care? Well, I traveled with several members of Northwestern Media, of which Faith Radio is a part of, down to Honduras to observe the work of an organization called One Child and the Hope Centers that they helped to sponsor, which are run by local churches in various communities, not just in Honduras. They do this in 14 countries. But the purpose is to offer hope to kids who live in poverty, who do not have hope. And you see that in the eyes of a lot of the kids as you're driving around. And then you see the kids in these hope centers who are getting nourishment, they're getting educational help, they're getting uh, physical help, medical help, and also spiritual help. And it is profoundly different what you see with these kids and in their lives, including the people I saw who were graduates of these hope centers who are amazing, amazing people. So when you came back, Paul, I, uh, I checked it out. I got online. We're going to be talking about it more this week. We have all um, committed to coming alongside children as champions. I got my one child packet in the mail about my child, and um, I'm going to open it on air tomorrow. Oh, cool. Yeah. I know. I, I, I okay. should have done that because, okay, Melinda's well, mine. St- maybe you could do it do, you could do it the day after. Well, maybe, but or, I already opened the packet. <laughs> well, that's okay. You can. You can we don't know that. Okay, okay, I mean, okay. we know it, but you get my point. Okay, we have another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next, and I know that now that we've negotiated a plan for tomorrow, you're saying to yourself, well, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about reading the Bible because, yes, we want to all be doing that. Where in the Word are you today? We're going to open up with a conversation about reading aloud, not just the Bible, but reading aloud as a practice. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.